It's always comforting as a preacher when the Holy Spirit is in charge of the service. Um, everything that was prayed and sung and prayed is within the theme. Norm, when we were praying before service, he said that we were being poured out like Christ. Um, Kevin just talked about doing good works, expecting a reward from God. That the feeling that we have is draining and tiring. You ever feel that way? (laughs) Especially after a long day of ministry. Um, The worship team talked about having strength to the end. All three songs were talking about the contemplation of being spent for Christ. And uh, today's message is from Philippians 2. And the title of the message is from Paul's exhortation. It's work out your salvation. Work out your salvation. How and why we work for God. That's kind of a controversial topic, isn't it? Work out your salvation. It's not work for your salvation. It's work out your salvation. There's a big difference. We're going to look at that. So today we're going to look at what does it mean to work out your salvation? What does it mean to work for God? Why do we work for God? I think a better way to put it is that we work with God. Or maybe even rather, God works his good works through us. And we're also going to look at why we do it and and how can we do it. How can we, mere mortals who get tired and exhausted, how can we expect to accomplish God-sized visions? Um, Anyone here feel tired after doing ministry? (laughs) Okay, anyone feel weary at times? Okay. Yesterday we had Lord of the Games, and and kudos to all, all of you who participated in that. There's coordination, there's setting up tables, there's setting up tents, breaking down tents, cleaning up, food, communicating, emails, conflict resolution. Um, conversations, energy, that's just one event, right? Little Tokyo tours, you know, Jessica has to do social media and Kyle is like an advanced scout buying snacks. Um, evangelism involves a lot of coordination. Women's pod studies, two worship services, multiple worship teams, deacon studies, Stuff on the metaverse I don't understand. That Holland and Sebastian are allegedly building in the Matrix. (laughs) Missions groups, small groups, youth groups, ministering to orphans, foster families. I know I'm leaving things out. Are these a lot of good works for a little church, a little powerful church? Maybe ministering and trying to help people resolve things and and they're not putting the same effort you're putting in. And uh, have you ever felt after this event, you're like, what was that all about? Have you ever felt that way? Why did I put myself through this? Just like what Kevin was saying, like, where's the reward? Sometimes we don't see it. And it doesn't have to be just strictly church work. It could be creative endeavors that God's called you to do. We have a lot of songwriters and artists in this church. And uh, we tend to link personal creative activities with the church body. But that takes energy. That takes dedication and commitment, doesn't it? Family responsibilities, business responsibilities. 
Um, you know, being a mother and balancing homeschooling or just schooling or just dragging kids here and there, right? <laughs> it's not easy trying to have a good family. Um, we get into a state, I think anyone who's been in ministry, you get in a state where you feel the dreaded word kind of burnt out. You ever feel that way? And you ask yourself, why am I working this way? What is this for? And uh, thanks a lot, Kevin, for uh, you know spoiling it. But uh, it's a reward for God. And uh, if there's a metaphor that you can have is that you have a little kid who loves his father, for example. And like when I was a little boy, my twin brother and I, we used to, you know, get our crayons out. We draw all sorts of pictures for dad and he'd put it all over his office. He was like an accountant. He was the control over the whole company. And so people would go in there at this professional setting. He'd have all these crayon pictures. Why does he put that up? Because he loves me. Because he's proud of me. And you might look at it and say, oh, that's not much. But it pleases him. That's why we work. We're pleasing our father. So I want to encourage you today. In Philippians, it says that Paul poured himself out like a drink offering. That's like all your life energy poured out to the point of exhaustion. Epaphroditus, who took this letter, visited Paul in prison, brought him gifts, almost died from the journey and from sickness, and then he was sent back. He is a servant of God. He poured himself out. We'll see in Philippians 2 that what did Jesus do? He emptied himself and obeyed to the point of death on a cross. In the Old Testament, we saw Elijah. He did this great work, this great ministry to the prophets of Baal, ran a marathon, and then at the end, he was celebratory? No, he was despairing even unto death. Jonah, despairing unto death. Now, after ministry, sometimes we feel elation. You know, that happens. And sometimes we just feel completely wiped out and drained. And I want to encourage you that as we, as a church, we do all these works. We're in the middle of this torrential season of activity and works. These are not works of the flesh. We, these are works for the Lord. And we're, we're coming into Easter and baptism. And so I, I just felt that, you know, with the reading and also with what I sense the Holy Spirit wants to say, is he wants to encourage you, church. He wants to encourage you to keep going and that he's pleased. More pleased than my dad with our silly crayon drawings or a, or a popsicle architecture building. You know, that you, you get, you know, parents treasure these things. All the things, the upcoming art show and all the ministries you're involved in, even if they don't look, quote unquote, successful, and they are successful, it pleases the Lord. I want to just start before we get into the meat of it. I want to start and just say that I want to quote Jesus who said um, to one of the churches in Revelation, he says, I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance. I want you to know that Jesus knows your works and it pleases him. So whenever a preacher talks about works, you get a little bit nervous. Don't be nervous. Here's the message in a nutshell, okay? God has put desires and callings on your heart. And some of these works you've done and are doing, and some of these works you have yet to do, 
And all these works involve energy and pouring your life out. And our role is to discern them and do these works diligently by the power of the Spirit. No, I'm not going to dismiss you. Would you please stand for the reading of God's Word? We're going to read Philippians 2, even though I just gave you the summary. Philippians 2, we're looking at verses 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for this word. I thank you for this church. Thank you for um, just confirming that you want to encourage this church to continue the good works. Help us today to understand why we do good works and how we do these good works. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So we're continuing our study of Philippians. Um, Pastor Chris looked at uh, verses 1 through 4, and he's going to look at verses 5 to 11 next week, and he asked me to do 11 and 12. But the Philippian uh, church was one of the earliest church plants. It was a Roman colony, and it was hostile to the gospel. It's, it's located in northeastern Greece now. Um, I mean, that's where it was located. And uh, last week, we looked at the importance of unity, and today we're going to look at um, the importance of working out our salvation. Now, again, it's not work, working out our salvation. Did I say that wrong? We're not working for salvation. We're working out our salvation. Working for salvation is like in religions like Islam or Buddhism, where God or the universe takes all your good works on this side and all your negative works on this side, and there's like a measuring stick. And if you have more good works, you go to heaven. That's not what Christ is teaching. Salvation is not based on works. Ephesians explains that clearly, is that it's by grace, a free gift you've been saved, not as a result of works that no one can boast. So a lot of cults like to take Jesus plus a bunch of works. We're not talking about that. So we're not talking about working for salvation. We're talking about these works, similar to James, are outworking of our love for Christ. The second disclaimer I just want to say briefly is that as I interpret the text, um, you know, a lot of theologians use this and, and think it's talking about soteriology, which is the doctrine of salvation. Um, as I've read it, I, I just have to tell you that um, I'm a, I'm, I look at this in... I take a more modest view um, where I, I think this is addressed to the church because it says beloved. The whole letter is for the church. And so um, while it is true that God obviously draws people, this particular passage, I think, is um, dealing with the church itself and how God has called us to do good works as a church to believers. So uh, let's get into it. So there's two verses today. and. I'm going to break it into four sections. So if you're taking notes, get ready, okay? So 12a is dealing with the who. And the who, of course, is Paul. And what we have is we have this loving spiritual father who's contemplating his own death and giving a final word to the church. 
12b is dealing with the what. The what is his, I like to say, his dying words. It doesn't say it explicitly, but you can tell in chapter 1 that Paul is really contemplating his death. To live is Christ, to die is gain. He's been chained in this prison, and this is the last letter he wrote before his death and execution. So Paul is thinking about coming to the end. And his last word in 12b, not his last words, but among his last words to the church, besides stay unified, is work out your salvation So with fear and trembling. What does that mean? That's what we're going to look at. The third section we'll look at is why. Why do we do these works? Just like I said, it would be very natural for members who are participating in the Lord of the Games and you're physically exhausted or you did evangelism or you just help someone, you know, you're, you, you know, Garen gets up here, he's like, does all the wires, he puts the wires back. It's very natural for someone to be physically tired and say, why am I doing this? The Holy Spirit wants to remind you why today. And finally, how? It could be we want to do God's works, but we're just, we don't have the strength. So how do we do it? It's a reminder. How can we mere mortals accomplish God-sized dreams? What if we're feeling exhausted or burned out? Or maybe there's something that God put, a dream, a ministry idea, a creative work, a business idea, and we're just petrified of it. And how did God really put that there? And if he did, I don't even think I can do it. How can we do it? We're going to find that God himself, through his Holy Spirit, is going to help us to do this work. So let's look at chapter 2, 12a. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. Let me, we'll pause there. So again, my beloved, Paul has this fatherly love for you. Paul has this fatherly love for that church. God has this fatherly love for you. But here, Paul is saying much more in my absence. The reason why you're here is not for some personality. It's not because of Pastor Chris. It's not because of your friends around you, ultimately. Ultimately, the reason why you participate in Lord of the Games is not because Earl asked you to help out. It's because Paul's reminding you is that you're ultimately serving Christ. That's your motivator. Because Paul knows he's leaving. That's why he's, do you notice in this letter, he's setting up Timothy. He's setting up a successor. It's like Paul's thinking, look, I know I'm leaving you. But don't, you know, I love you, you love me. But you get to carry on the work. And ultimately, you're carrying on the work of Christ. So that's, that's what's being communicated here in this first verse. So I wanted you to understand it's coming from a place. This exhortation to work out your salvation with fear and trembling is coming from a place of fatherly, tender, gentle love. Okay. Preachers always like to say stuff like this, but verse 12, therefore. What's the therefore, therefore? Okay, I did it. Sorry. It's referring back to the previous section. He's making a connection. He's saying this. 
if you look back at verse 5, see what, what's happening is Paul is saying, follow me as I follow Christ. Let's look at Christ as our model. And this is what Norm prayed today. Have this mind, verse 5, have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but, what does it say? Emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so Paul is saying, just like Jesus was obedient, you too be obedient and empty yourself even as unto the cross. So who's our model? Our model's Christ. Hey, if Paul poured himself out and Jesus poured himself out, we're Christians, right? What does that mean? We're followers of Christ. That means what do we do? We pour ourselves out. So why are you feeling tired? Because you pour yourselves out. And sometimes you just need that affirmation. Yes, this is what it's like. Yes, this is what it feels like to live out a Christian life. That doesn't mean there's times of refreshing or times of rest. But you're not crazy. 12b, work out your own salvation. Own personal, right? With fear and trembling. Okay, so let's, we're going to look at a couple words here. One of the words is work out. Let's see if I butcher this. This is uh, Greek, katergazomai. And the meaning is to work or to do or to cause, perform, accomplish, achieve, bring about. Okay, so there are certain things that you're meant to bring about. Now, when you say the word work with the word father, it can be a real trigger, right? Because people try to earn dad's love. But I, even if that hasn't been your natural experience, maybe on TV or maybe you've seen people in the church, believe it or not, as imperfect as fathers are and mothers are, there are situations where children just want to please dad. And, and, we, and they just, like I said, they draw a little picture. And that should be our attitude. Do they care if it's published? I mean, like, does my dad say, hey, this isn't in a gallery, I don't accept it? No. It's not only about results or what we think is results. Kyle is called to create songs. That's something God put on his heart. I'm very proud of him as he works towards that. We all recognize the talent. We all recognize it's from God. We all recognize that his songs are meant to edify God, to please him. Whether he's discovered, not discovered, published, not published, do you think my, my feeling of pride changes towards Kyle? Then why would God's attitude towards you change? He's pleased. Anything you do for him and for his glory, regardless of how it turns out, of course, there's always lessons to be learned, but he's pleased with the work. James 2, 
I'll, I'll read it. You don't have to turn there. It says, it explains that when we work out our salvation, it's just a fruit of our true faith. What is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving him the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And our church really does a wonderful job like that. We have mercy ministries, and we try to say, hey, you know, we can't do everything, but we'll be involved in Olive Crest and other places. Um, just talking to Kevin recently, and he works a lot with foster children. That's on his heart, working with these foster kids. So he has this on his heart. God has put it there, works with Lorraine, works with Pastor Chris, works in the community. We're going to be involved in Orange County, ministering to people who, families that are experiencing homelessness. That's how it works, is that that work, that outworking, is a show of our love for the Father. And so we are meant to work out our salvation till the day of Christ. With, and what does it mean with fear and trembling? Yes, God is gentle. Yes, God is loving. But He's also holy. And every thought, word, and deed that we do in this life is going to be assessed and judged. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3, verses 12 through 15. And what this picture is, when Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, you have to understand that the foundation is Christ. We're not talking about salvation. You are saved. However, on that foundation, what are you going to build for Christ? What are you going to do with that? And whenever you, I'm using Lord of the Games a lot, but whenever you do an event and you do it with the right motive and the right attitude, without conceit or ambition, but you're just doing it for God, you, you show up for evangelism, you're participating in a women's pod, you're, you're, you're teaching Sunday school, you're teaching your kids the Bible. Whenever you do that, you know what that is to God? That's jewelry. That's gold. That's silver to Him. Not here, but to Him. And all those works that are vain, all those things that are worldly, all those things are just for yourself. All those Patriots games I watched. All those things that are, there's nothing wrong with watching a little bit, but all that idolatry or, you, you know, there's, it can be within, if you're just living for your own stuff and your own entertainment, a lot of that's going to burn up. Listen to what the Word of God says. If anyone builds on the foundation Jesus Christ with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day at the end, will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what, what sort of work each has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he'll receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. We don't want, as one of my old pastors used to say, we don't want to be smoky Christians. We survive, we're in heaven, 
but we really dedicated our life to stuff that just went up in smoke. You know what I mean? Follow me as I follow Christ. I'm reluctant to, to share it because I don't want it to seem self-serving. And I'm a very flawed person. Just ask my, my kids and my wife. But, you know, as I was mentoring a young uh, man in the church and we're doing some discipleship, I said, well, here's my Outlook calendar. It's, it's very, very simple. It's basically family, ministry, and what else? Yeah, work. Oh, yeah, I have a job. <laughs> I was like, what is the other one? And then, yeah, and now art, art is getting in there, too. And that's kind of it. And sometimes I'm like, man, we, you know, I wish I had more. I wish I, you know, but then, you know, Jen's really good, you know, when I have my moodiness. And she's like, hey, you know, you invested in the kingdom. And a lot of us, have, a lot of you do so much more. And everyone is judged based on what God has put inside of you to do. But, you know, all these works, it's not in vain. It's not meaningless. And it's not about success and publication as the world says, but I hope we get it, okay? But it's not in vain. You need to know that. You need to understand that. All this ministry you're doing, people who have a lot of needs, people who are in need and are trying to make the right steps in their life, none of it is in vain, even if you trip. You with me? Okay, verse 13. Okay, so we know that working out our salvation with fear and trembling, that we're going to live this life out, we're saved. But then why? Why do we do it? I catch myself sometimes because it's suffering sometimes to do ministry. It's a lot of prep. It's a lot of work. There's a lot of things to do. And you say, why do I do? Why am I taking this on? Maybe you felt that way. It's like, what have I gotten myself into? This is a good reminder. 13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Okay, so the why is for his good pleasure. I think we covered that. That's our motivation in ministry. Our motivation is in ministry is not the person next to you, although they're an encourager. It's love for God. It's not just because Pastor Chris encouraged you to do it, although God uses Pastor Chris and the others around. It's for God. You're doing it for God. So if another brother or sister steps on your toes, you're doing it for God. Later on, Paul's going to say, stay unified, don't grumble. This is part of the work. So our motivation, our why, is the, for the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross. We're going to be lifted up for those rewards, just like Kevin prayed. So there's, is there any other motive? There's no other motive. Are we earning God's love? No. He loved, we love him. He loved us first. It's not about human relationship. Paul's not even going to be around. It's just for love for God. But here's the real question. How do we do these works? How do we do the works that God has called us to do? Well, what does it say here? Looks like God's doing the work for us. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Who put inside of Lorraine's heart, Pastor Chris's wife, who put in her heart a love for those experiencing homelessness? Who put that in her? God gave her that compassion. And after he put that in her, 
he put a series of people around her, a bunch of events, and the capacity to do something about it. And it starts with a seed God puts in your heart. And through community, it might not be at the timing you want, but it comes forth. Who put the desire for her to paint? Sometimes like, oh, I'm a busy mother. I don't have time to paint. I'm a busy, you know, I got this ministry stuff. I have to keep that crazy guy Chris in line, you know. Who put that inside of her? God did. So it's God's good pleasure for her to do that. And there's different seasons in life. You might not write the great American novel tomorrow, but there's nothing wrong. God is creative. The same word I shared with you about work out is the same word that God used to create. Do you know why we're creative? Do you know why we have creative ideas? It's because we're made in his image and he's creative. So you're not alone. Just remember in those moments, God gives you his desires to do his works and he doesn't leave you stranded. You tell a little kid, okay, you know, a little toddler, now put away the, you know, put away your toys and they're carrying it and struggling. Well, the dad can just pick up the whole kid with the toy and carry it over. That's what God is doing for you. Earl is picking up the Lord of the Games ministry. He can't quite carry it. So dad picks him up and walks him over to the toy box. He's not leaving you stranded. In, in chapter 1, you don't have to go there, but it says that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. You are God's project. <laughs> he's not done with you. If he's going to carry you, what makes you think that he won't carry you through the works that he has for you to do? And these desires take many forms. Of course, I'm talking about the church, but it can also be vocation. How to heal people. For those of you who are in the medical field, could be being a teacher. Okay, so next. Let me just go through a few things here of the types of work God wants you to do and wills for you to do. Okay, I think there's three levels of works. Okay, not for salvation, but I'm calling them categories. The first category is that these are like general for all Christians. It's just like things that is throughout this passage. Like, for example, be unified. That's for all of us. Pray. That's for all of us. Defend the faith. That's for all of us. Walk in purity. So the desires in us, some of it is universal to all Christians. Those are works You know, prayer, rejoicing, exalting God. That's something we all should do. But the second level is there specific gifts and calls that is narrower in the body. You know, Ephesians 5 talks about some are called to be evangelists, some teachers. Different people play a different role. We're a body of Christ, but different parts of the body. For example, D'Amico, he's called to be an evangelism leader. And if you've ever seen him on the street, you're like, oh, I I see that. (laughs) You know what I mean? John is, make, is writing music. You don't want me writing music. Hostetler sings and has other gifts and abilities. But I don't. Thank God I'm not up there doing that. Do you understand? There are some giftings that is just for a smaller segment in the body. 
Chris is teaching theology. There's another level, a third level. And don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying, you know, if you don't do it, no one can do it. But I would say God gave these desires and callings unique to you. I use Kyle as an example. Kyle's the only one who can sing Kyle's songs. You know that? If he doesn't do it, who's going to do it? John's the only one who can sing John's John's songs, if I can say it. You know, we can come alongside Earl in Lord of the Games, but that's part of Earl's testimony. (laughs) He was the one who was trying to be a professional poker player. Do you know what I mean? If he didn't step up and recognize that God did something in my heart and then have wise elders like Chris who could see something in that and then we share that, yesterday wouldn't have happened. And I want to say too is that of course we want others from the streets to come, but I'm thankful that these guys, besides racking up, I'm sorry that happened, I'm glad that my kids and the kids in this church look at church as it's cool, it's fun. Like, these people are nice. A lot of church experiences aren't like that. And so there's a whole generation that's been touched. Think about my wife's testimony. That's only hers to give. So I just want you to know that some of the giftings and the calls you have in your heart, I know sometimes there's a reticence that, I don't know if that's from God. It could be. And in your role isn't to become rich and famous, that's outside of your control. Church attendance is outside our control. All we can do is invite and God adds to the numbers, right? All we can do is do these works dedicated to God, not for salvation, but just like a child who's trying to show our love for someone who loves us. So here's my final application. There's four D's here of how do we work out our salvation. Number one, You have to discern the work. Not everything on your heart is from God. In in using Kyle as as an example, I don't know. Sorry, sorry I'm using you. I just take the liberty, man. I'm not even going to ask you if I can use you. I'm pumping up your tires today. Maybe next message I'll humble you more. Um, He could use that gift and and use it for self-glory. Tons of musicians do that, right? God gives the gift. And we do the work, but we can choose to do it for our own glory or for God's glory. We have to discern what is from the Lord and what is not. Ephesians 5 says, try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in unfruitful works. Just this past week, I was, <laughs> I was in my angst place and I was seeking the word of God. And I talked to some individuals, I talked to Peter, talked to my wife talked to my twin brother, and we were just praying about certain things, about if, if what I'm, some desires I have, are they from God or are they from myself? Number two, hey, you got to diligently do the work. You just have to do it. Once you have something on your heart, you have to start making steps to do it. You know, I'm not a spring chicken, and I have a twin brother, which means he's not a spring chicken. He looks at himself as a director, and he has directed films, and he makes commercials, and written screenplays, but he has it in a while. And he says, you know what? We all have the same amount of time in the day. I feel that God made me an artist, but where's my art? I need to start creating. Do you know what I mean? 
we don't have it in our control. We can get the movie in the can, but getting it out in the world, that's a different thing. But we have to do our part. So we have to be diligent for the things God has given us. Diligence involves hard work, wholeheartedness, and consistency. A lot of us have a really good start. I see it with my students all the time. We have some students that are, have a really strong beginning. And then we have some that try to cram at the end. And then we have some that can't endure in the middle. You have to do all three. You have to try to be diligent. So you discern the work. You diligently do it. But number three, you've got to depend on God. Depend. To empower you for the work. It's not a mistake that Jesus said, it's good for me to leave you so the helper may come. He gave us a hint. <laughs> helper. Because we need help. So the helper is with us. You're not alone. It is God who gives you the will and then he works through you to accomplish what he's put on your heart to do. And number four, this is a hard one, deliver. You got to deliver the bacon. You got to finish it. Think about what Pastor Chris, what it took for him to finish his book. He had that on his heart for many years. He did a draft he got deathly ill. COVID happened. I mean, it took a lot of work. And it's just like to, to just finally finish a project off takes a lot of work. But you have to depend on God and ask him for help. Um, I want to just give you one illustration, then I'll close. Uh, I spoke with Nicole Ng this week. You remember her. She's from Hong Kong, and she was part of our church here. And I remember when we first started in this building. And by the way, this us being here is another seed that was on our hearts. I remember when we were praying, just a handful of us, about maybe we should op- do this. I mean, Chris was, he knew it. He knew, he had the call from God. And some, some people were a little more doubtful, but it came to fruition. But anyway, uh, Nicole was one of the first people that came. And I remember she was torn between computer science and English. And, I, you know, I'm, I teach English as a second language. And so um, we, we talked about it. And um, she went the computer science route. And I remember in our small group, she was praying for discernment. You remember that, right? We're praying about where she's going to go, what job she's going to take. She ends up going to New York City. She, she, she contacted me, and long story short is she is now working in a ministry that's working with um, women from that speak Chinese who have been trafficked you know, as slaves into this country, and they've been rescued by this ministry, and they're helping these individuals find Christ, get on their feet, and part of the vocational training is English language teaching. Isn't that awesome? And so we had a Zoom, and I gave her homework, because this is what I do for a living, right? I teach a grad class in teacher training, so I'm giving her stuff, and, and so what is she doing? She's working. She's toiling. She had her first class, and it's just like, you know, here she is, and she's like, I'm going down this computer science road, but I have this other thing in my heart. And look how God brought it forth to something beautiful. It's not done. It's not easy to, 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 to teach. And she has to, she has to continue to work at it and do these good works. But God's creative. And so I just wanted to leave you with that and to encourage you. Um, one caveat, it's not wrong after ministry to have a Sabbath. Jesus would do major ministry, and what would he do? Jesus would retreat. <laughs> then he'd get back after it. You know, I learned that, uh, you know, I changed my whole schedule so Mondays 
I could have some days off, especially after preaching. Um, you know, Tuesday through the rest of the week, there's a lot of week, nights that I'm there till 11. That wasn't uncommon for me. But after doing ministry, it's not wrong to, you know, stay involved, come to church, stay in a small group. But you have to also balance, you know, that rest. So I'm not saying don't rest. You know, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Okay, so God gives you those times of refreshing. But when you're tired and you're spent and you poured yourself out in the family, in church, in work, which you see as a vocation from God, and you say to yourself, why am I putting myself through this? I'll tell you why. Because like Jesus was obedient and like Paul was obedient, you're obedient. City Bible Church is obedient. So let me leave you with these words. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your word today. Thank you, God, that you love us and that you give us the opportunity to be spent for you. Let all of our ministries here at City Bible Church, both personally, corporately, let every work we do be for you. Let us be poured out like you, like a drink offering, so many can come to faith in you, to know you, and to expand your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.